0: White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 779.
1: You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. The Auburn crowd can smell it. They can taste it. They can almost see Minneapolis.
0: I'm not even hungry and I can taste it.
1: The Auburn Tigers, for the first time ever, are going to the
2: Final Four.
0: From the palatial White Rocket Studios in frozen southern Illinois and probably somewhat warmer eastern Virginia, it's the AU Wishbone Podcast. John, how are you tonight? It's a little bit warmer here, but it's snowing and sleeting today,
2: so Ah, we got that happening.
0: ah, Yeah, we've had that too, but it's been below zero the last couple of days here, and uh, we're in like leave the water dripping in the faucets and don't go out anywhere and... uh, you know, cook what's in the cabinet or in the freezer in the refrigerator for dinner and don't yeah, that's I haven't I haven't left the house since probably Saturday. We're recording this Monday. Tomorrow I have to go back to work, back to class. I had faculty meetings last week, but I have to go start teaching classes tomorrow and we're all just kinda waiting to see if it gets cancelled, so maybe we'll have a snow day or a freezing cold day anyway. We'll see. But anyway, we got several things to talk about tonight, as usual. We've got big goings-on with the basketball team. Uh, another Looks like another one of those seasons that we're going to get to enjoy. It, you know, Twice a week, they, it brings some happiness and joy into our lives, and that's a really good thing. And I, I always say I love the fact that they play twice as often as the football team. That makes me very happy. You get that much more. You don't have to wait quite so long. The season's at least as long, and it's good. It's good, and we're going to talk about that. But we also got football stuff to talk about. And we even got all stuff to talk about, the goat, the goat among tigers, and we'll talk about it in just a minute. But of course, before we do any of that, it's the Auburn Fun Meter. It is our weekly look at how much fun it is to be an Auburn fan right now. And this is really not so much judging us. Every week, I think, as it is judging what's going on in in the Auburn sports and other cultural world, and how it makes you feel as an Auburn person. So, um, you know, bearing in mind the various things going on, where's your where's your Auburn fun meter at this week, John? Like many recent weeks, there's a multiple positives and negatives.
2: The the basketball team's a big plus; they're playing great. Aubie, the, the football coaching changes are kind of eh, in the. You know, not loving that. And then, but then also with some coaching changes across the state. That was kind of entertaining. So I'm going to say I'm a six and a half.
0: Really? I, I feel like I haven't seen a lot of negative, really. I mean, I know we'll talk about Cadillac and, and, uh, what, as Etheridge, I believe, um, mm-hmm. but, um, as well as the two coordinators. But I look at that as trying to get better. And if that's what, the guy we are putting our faith in to make us get better thinks we we'll get us to get better then do what you got to do, and let's see how it plays out. So I'm at about an eight and a half right now, I guess. I'm uh, the basketball's got me very, very excited. Albby got me very, very excited. and um, yeah, I don't and I don't I'm not really down about anything. The uh, Alabama, the defensiveness <laughs> of the Alabama fan base right now is just such a joy to behold. Uh, watching them try to try to defend this choice they've just made, this hire, which is I guarantee you not what they were expecting or hoping for, and they're probably all they're all in denial right now, and they're trying to make the best of it and act like oh this is exactly who we wanted. So all that together just makes me very happy. I'm very happy to be an Auburn Auburn fan right now. So, um, well the fir- the thing we're referring to with 11. eleven, eleven John the Goat. Has 11. Um, dominance. It is, it is absolute dominance by Aubie. He has just won his 11th uh, mascot national championship, which is easily the most any mascot has won. And he just won number 10 a couple of years ago, two or three years ago. So he, he's been ringing these things up about one every two, three, four years. I mean, when he goes four years without winning one, it's a scandal, you know, we're New looking yep. we're looking to fire his wardrobe coordinator or something for you know, for not coaching him upright for that year. So uh he is just dominant. It's just amazing. They're gonna take that giant banner down that we just took a picture of last spring and uh that said ten and make a giant eleven put up, you know. It's amazing. It's a good thing. He is so good, he is. Every we've always known. I mean, when we talk about how good Albi is we're not just saying that because he's ours. We're saying that because he's the greatest. He is the GOAT. So, All right, so we got a little non-Auburn news to start with, but it's worthy, and it's something I think that we've probably been looking forward to discussing a little, you know, however briefly, for several days now, and that is that Nick Saban, the last time you and I spoke on here, none of this had happened, right? The last, the last time th- you and I spoke, Nick Saban was the football coach. It's been that long since we did a podcast. The, well, the last time we did a podcast – we were watching the national championship game. We were watching Michigan yeah. beat Washington and watching right. the future – little did we know we were watching future Alabama coach Kalen DeVore losing the national championship. And, uh, and here it is. So let's, let's take it kind of in order. Nick Saban retired. What was your reaction when that word came out? I was delighted. Yeah. Um, we've been sitting on this podcast for 10 years
2: – that. One day he's going to retire. Yep. The arc of history doesn't allow programs to stay on top forever, and he's the one holding it all together. And when he goes, they're going to drop back some. And so when he announced his his retirement, my immediate thought was, you know, this is good for us. It's good for Auburn.
0: I'm happy he's gone. Yeah. Well, it's good for us, too, the timing for once, because if this had happened when it was still – You know, when we were still in the regime of the potato, then it wouldn't have benefited us much. Wouldn't have moved the needle at all. No, but now that we are moving into year two and like the first really, you know, in earnest uh, freeze year, um, it feels like we have a legitimate chance to do what we did back in the early mid 80s and swing the level the playing field and even slant it more our way for for first time in a while i think the last time the playing field leaned our way was probably like what 2004 five six something Mm -hmm. like that and by by 2008 it was tilted the wrong way and it's been tilted the wrong way ever since then and mm-hmm. I feel like we have a chance to at least level it and maybe tilt it back our way again like it, like it was right. in the good old days. So, yeah, I, Pat Dye, yeah, Pat Dye moved that needle in the early 80s, and it stayed mostly moved with the exception of a couple of years. And then it was really late at the end of the Tuberville era that the Alabama got it back. So, you know, they act like they've always been dominant, but from about 82 to 2007 – it's about a 25-year period there where it was either even or leaned our way.
2: That's right. And, and I know that we won more of the series during that time. So yes. It, it, people forget that. Younger people aren't aware of that. You know, Alabama in a pre-Saban world was, you know, they'd have good flashes, and they won a national title there in 92, but they also had some bad years, and they had a lot yes. of other mediocre kind of years. And that's Absolutely. not going to happen overnight, but it is going to happen. And it is one hundred percent going to move in that direction. Yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah, I was very excited, and and um, my immediate thought was they're gonna they're gonna offer everything to either. Well, I see here's the thing. I people are asking me. Well, I thought I thought Davo Swinney was the heir apparent. And I said if this had happened in 2018, he'd be the coach. Yes. But it it, it they Saban dragged it out to where the flavor of the month was no longer Dabo Swinney.
2: I think hiring Dabo right now would have been like A&M hiring Jimbo Fisher at yeah. the point that he left Florida State. The yeah.
0: good stuff is
2: gone. Yeah. Dabo has clearly dropped off. It, uh, their team has dropped off. He doesn't use the transfer portal. I think some of the new stuff at College Ball is kind of passing him by. And so hiring him would have been a mistake. I get yeah. it.
0: Yeah. So – so him being having moved along, no longer being on their on their radar, I f- I thought it was going to come down to uh, the Oregon coach Lanning, Lan- Lanning Sarkeesian at Texas and Kiffin. Those are the three because they all had some kind of a connection to Alabama, some kind of a connection to Nick Saban and or Kirby Smart. You know, I knew Kirby Smart wasn't going to leave Georgia for Alabama. No. That's no. Um, I felt like it was one of those three. And um I, I they didn't even talk to Lane Kiffin. I don't think. No.
2: No, I I okay, let's deal with him first. I don't think he was ever a candidate. I had forgotten how ugly it was when he left Alabama. Yeah. That when he was the offensive coordinator, they were going to the National Title game. And they basically fired him the week between the championship game and the and the the semifinal game and the championship game. And they were basically like, "No, you can go. We'd rather play this game without you. We'd rather you not be around." Yeah. And we'll play the game without our offensive coordinator.
0: Well, he'd already taken the FAU job, right? Yes, but he and he was being a distraction and well,
2: and being, you know, being Lane Kiffin.
0: All right. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. See, here's the thing. When I said that about I thought he would be in the running or whatever, some Alabama jackass on Twitter was like, well, he was fired. You know, like you were saying, he was fired. Nick Saban fired him, whatever, so why would you think that? And I kind of, like you said, I had to stop and think back and put it all together. They're acting like, Oh, he sucks, and so Saban fired him. No, he was great at Alabama. Alabama was in love with him. Believe me, I remember a lot of Alabama fans saying they wish Saban would go ahead and retire so they could just promote Kiffin up and make him the head coach. They desperately wanted Kiffin to be their head coach. And and the reason he was fired was not because he was bad. It was because he was so good that he'd gotten a head coaching job. So that's right. well, spare me the BS Alabama fans trying to retroactively, you know, change history to match up your narrative. Excuse I me. I think he
2: I think he was being Lane Kiffin, though, right? Yeah. He wasn't other guys have stayed on the job and done a good, responsible job, and he was not doing that. But I and I would say this like you're correct in the point that I think of all the coaches we've talked about, including the, the guy that got the job the person that would do the most damage in the SEC with the current Alabama roster is Lane Kiffin. I mean, I more than Sarkissian, more than Lanning, more than DeBoer, if you gave Lane Kiffin the current yes. Alabama roster, he would win the most games by the most points in the next three years. Now, he would I, 100% I agree. drive it off the tracks into the canal. <laughs> but in that three-year period, he would lay waste to some people and yes. kind of re-energize that team
0: Oh, and the Alabama fans, you think they're annoying and arrogant now. Having Lane Kiffin as their leader, can you imagine the Alabama fan base taking its cues from that? From how he acts and tweets yeah. and stuff? So that's why I was so surprised that they didn't even sniff at him because he, it, i like you say, I thought he would win the most games. I think. I think he has fatal flaws that are going to keep him from ever going undefeated or winning the national championship, but I think he also has the skill set to always be, given the, right, given the right program and the right numbers uh, and you know the right players, I think he can have a, any team in contention in the discussion.
2: Yes. And the other candidate you mentioned was Lanning. Yeah. He's the guy I honestly worried about the most. I think he mm. was the best candidate Mm-hmm. Top to bottom, he's young, he's super talented. He's who he's I wanted for history. us last year, remember I guess I agree and I did too. and he's the guy I think they you know were thinking targeting at the beginning and then he pretty much made it clear that it was never going to happen. Now here's the other part of this whole thing, okay? We know this already because we're Auburn fans and we've been drugged through this cycle before, but Jimmy Sexton moves the pawn pieces around the table when this kind yeah. of thing happened. All these people are his clients, and he set it up, so when... Say, he, let's be clear. He Kaylin is DeBoer Sauron. Is his, K- he is Sauron, right, and K- they're
0: the ring ringwraiths.
2: That's right. <laughs> De DeBoer is his client, and Kalen DeBoer had a contract extension on his desk like three months ago, and Jimmy Sexton said, don't sign it. I'll get you a better job. I'll get you more, or a better job. So he didn't yeah. sign it, and then... They used the opportunity of, of Sabin retiring to get, you know, job extensions and offers for Lanning and Sarkissian and Mike Norvell. And I don't think Norvell was ever the guy. I think he was the backup plan. Uh, like, yeah. like, Kiffin was not on the list. Norvell was the backup plan if they couldn't get these other guys. Um, and But he got them all contract extensions. And then they went around and hired the guy they did.
0: Here's the sound at Jimmy Sexton's office. (laughs) Don't sign the contract, Kalen. Don't sign it yet. going to talk about Lane Kiffin but they'll come to you eventually as long as you have the ring the ring of your phone is Kayla, of Jimmy Sexton calling you <laughs> there it is that was the live from Jimmy Sexton's office you get a lot of extra bonus content on this program time but <laughs> All right, so let's talk about before we talk about Kayode
2: DeBoer. Let's just talk about what does it mean with Saban retiring and Alabama dropping off. What does that mean to you?
0: Well, Pat Dye said the sun doesn't shine on the same dog's rear end all the time.
2: I've thought about that line a thousand times since <laughs> Saban retired last week.
0: Yeah, well, it originally applied to Steve Spurrier, but now it applies mm-hmm. to Sabin, who is the same character, basically that that Spurrier was there for a while. And interesting too, isn't it that? We couldn't stand Spurrier being a rival coach to us. We couldn't stand him. And we couldn't stand Saban being our big rival coach. And yet, honestly, as people, I really love both of them. I think they're both really kind of cool guys, which is so – you know what I mean? Like, I could totally hang out with Steve Spurrier and Nick Saban and just, like, have a beer and hang out with them. I could totally do that. And believe me, there's plenty of college football coaches you would not want to do that.
2: No. Most of them are schmucks.
0: Yeah. But – um. But those two were really, and and that's the same thing here. I, I'm like, it's kind of the opposite of Florida State. It's like now I can go back to liking Nick Saban. You know, like I went back to liking Steve Spurrier when he when he left Florida. Um, I liked him at South Carolina. I didn't like him at Florida. You know, so uh, how did how did Saban not end up being the coach at South Carolina? I thought the rule was if you're a dominant SEC and national championship winning coach. When you leave your big school, you have to go do several years at South Carolina. Isn't that a bylaw in the SEC rules? How is Saban not coaching South Carolina the next year? They haven't had a vacancy yet, Vance. Ah, that don't matter. You blow him out of there and put. You think South Carolina wouldn't fire? Uh, What's his name? The the Virginia Tech- Beamer. Beamer and get to get Nick Saban. Give me a freaking break. They'd they he'd find his suitcases on the curb before he knew what was going on, man. But um, and it wouldn't be. That's the thing is, it wouldn't be unusual because they had they had uh, Lou Holtz and they had Steve Spurrier. So why not why not Saban? But but um, yeah. No, I I feel like I felt like. They're, they're they, I told you who I thought they would get and why I was surprised they didn't get Kiffin. And then I was surprised that – I really thought Lanning would go. I was surprised he didn't because every other coach at Oregon that has gotten a decent alternative job immediately leaves. And I think that's one of the reasons he didn't go, right, is because
2: mm. I think I – think there's a couple things. One is he's a younger guy. He has young children. yeah. And a younger family, and I think they like living in Eugene, Oregon and not in the fishbowl of an SEC town. Makes sense. And so it's better for his family, and also I think this allowed him to say, I'm not leaving like those other guys did and build a bunch of goodwill, and I think he already has a bunch of goodwill built up, and and this allowed him to build up even more with recruits and the team and, and with Nike's.
0: Yeah. Well, they needed to, Oregon needed this because they've lost like their last the coach that they didn't they they fired one and all the others have left to go somewhere else. Yes. Yeah, we talked about that before. The one thing separating Oregon from the other destination jobs is that people do leave it for a better job. Yes. But um yeah, so I was surprised about that, but you make a good case for for why he didn't. Um and then I thought Sarkeesian, oh sure. But then you think Texas, though, right? I mean, I, I think it's just, I think it's Alabama's misfortune, which we revel in, right? I think it's <laughs> Alabama's misfortune Amen. that all of their best candidates happen to have really good jobs right now. Yeah. I mean, sarkisian they were
2: in the playoff. He returns a ton of talent, yeah. he's got them right high. And you can
0: honestly say, like, you know, is Alabama a better job than what he's got now? Yeah. Well, remember, Texas was wanting to hire Saban away, and for five seconds it sounded like he might go. So, I mean, Texas got more money than Alabama. It's a bigger school, certainly a far more prestigious school overall, much higher rating and everything, yeah. So you could certainly see that. The only thing Alabama has going for it is they've had a couple of coaches in their history that that won a bunch of ball games. That's it. That's That's it. it. That's it. Um, So... um, when those guys fell through, I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are they going to do? I, I really was scratching my head because here's the thing. They're being Alabama. They had to maintain that air of, oh, we know what we're doing. It's all good. This is all part of the plan. There's nothing bad happening here. You know what I mean? It's all good. They couldn't admit, oh, crap, it's all falling apart, and we're going to end up with a coach that nobody had ever heard of three weeks ago. And yet, guess what? They ended up with a coach nobody had ever heard of three weeks ago. So, yeah, I was pretty excited about all that. Now, that is not to say that I'm predicting he is the next... Well, hold on. I, I could just realize. That is not to say that I'm predicting he is the next... Potato! But, but it's possible. But there's a couple of reasons why I think... There's a couple of reasons why I wouldn't say that. One is he's going to have so much more talent to work with than Potato did coming in. And two... I mean, you know, he's got a lot of support. He'll have a lot of unanimous support Alabama. I think he'll do okay at least at first. But it's not going to be national championship every year like it almost was there for a while with Saban. I I think it's the beginning of the end. It's not the end of the beginning. It's the beginning of the end, at least for this cycle. How how do you see DeBoer working out?
2: I I like DeBoer. I think he's a good coach. Uh, I think he's a very good football coach. But he's a never coached in the sec and be replacing the greatest coach in the history of the sport so there will be drop off we've talked about saving a lot on the show his single-mindedness and his ability to manage the boosters and his ability to recruit and keep things on track and his ability to hire and replace staff continually and keep things on track Mm -hmm. we're all things that other people can't do yeah. And so Deboer is not going to be able to do those things at the same level that that Saban did. So I think you know they're gonna, like you said, they have a big time roster. They have a lot of money and a, a lot of facilities, and they're gonna keep players. But there were also a lot of players that came to Alabama to play for Saban, not to play for Alabama, but to play mm-hmm. for Nick Saban because yep. he developed them and got them to the NFL and stuff. And oh. also he like was not a terrible human being to as a football coach so i think those things are going to lead to the drop off when i say drop off i mean we're entering you know uh the when the last time miami was really great you know the coach left Mm -hmm. and then they hired a coach after that and that guy you know won a national title and i think got close to another one but it's that era I'm gonna say that Alabama in the next few years is gonna be the equivalent of like what Ohio State has been in the last ten years.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So they'll play for a couple of national titles, maybe they win one in a ten year period, but they're also gonna have some other years when, you know, they're gonna mm-hmm. go nine to three or whatever. <sighs> so your lips and to it's God. it's gonna years. happen and people are gonna freak out about it, but it's normal and it's mm-hmm. they're gonna enter a more normal college football team. Era. Well,
0: yes, I agree. And the and the uh, the other thing I love that you made me think of is we're already seeing Alabama players that are decommitting from Alabama or leaving Alabama, and their rationale. Oh, John, this was music to my ears after all these years. Music to my ears. They're saying it's a business decision. Ah. Oh. Let me just let me just sit back and revel in that for a minute. Alabama players leaving Alabama or decommitting from Alabama, not going to Alabama and leaving us because it's a business decision. Oh, oh. Well, and some of them said, oh, feel so good." They went
2: to Alabama and they gave a discount to you know, to play for Saban, but they're not going to do that anymore.
0: New, no. new. No. what the
2: market rate right now?
0: That's I just. It's just so good to hear the same line used about them now that they've – I mean, how many times did we have a great player and they left us or decommitted from us to go to Alabama and said, oh, it's a business decision? Yeah, I I love Auburn. Auburn was great, but it's a business decision. Well – What goes around comes around, and it's awfully nice. I do have DeBeer's numbers here. People are like, oh, he won all these games. He's won all these championships. He coached five years at Sioux Falls and won three NAIA championships. That's pretty good for NAIA. Uh, He went 12-6 and at Fresno State, and then he went to Washington, uh, where he did have Pennix and some great wide receivers playing in the conference formerly known as Pac-12. Um, let's see the couple of just recruiting things. Um, in, in this year's recruiting class, Washington had six, the state of Washington had six, four star players, no five star players. Washington didn't get any of them. And then in 2023, they were able to get no five star players. Um, they were able to get Eight four-star players and were 26th nationally. This past year, they were 36th nationally. So that ain't gonna cut it. Mm-mm. After no, he is, he, this is an interesting stat. After he's been at a school for 10 games, he's 80 and three. That's the most impressive stat I've heard so far.
2: Yes, and he he's also he's nine and two as an underdog. Yeah. So I think part of you know what you're seeing in those recruiting stats is they you know they Oregon had more talent than them this year. Washington beat them twice. Yeah. Um, and some of that is a quarterback, but some of it's also is good coaching. And he's bringing a lot of his Washington assistants with him. He's keeping a few Alabama assistants and there's a few spots still open. But you're raising the big question, which is, can these guys that are coming from Washington do mm-hmm. the recruiting they need to do yeah. to
0: be where they need to be? Yeah, well, we'll see. All right. Well, let's change gears here. Uh, this is not an Alabama podcast, thank goodness, or I wouldn't be on it. Uh, let's talk a little Auburn news first about the coaching changes. Uh, Cadillac has resigned, saying he did what he thought was right for his wife and children, which is an interesting thing to say. And then Zach Etheridge uh, resigned and took a job with Houston. We're still looking, I want to get your reaction. We're still looking for two coordinators, though we have, we have, um, um, from Colorado, uh, we, we did officially sign, um, our, uh, our co-coordinator, uh, co-defensive coordinator, Charles Kelly, Charles Kelly, who is originally played for Auburn, but has been a great recruiter all over the place for Alabama, for Colorado, for others. So that's good. We don't know who our defensive coordinator is going to be yet. Although you got to think in the next few days and we don't know who our co-defensive coordinator is going to be with Kelly although there have been some names thrown around. So what is your thinking about those changes? It's really some strange stuff, and it's really the main negative that there's been lately.
2: It is, and, and I said last week I thought it would be wrapped up by this week, and I'm honestly surprised it's not. Some of One of the defensive coordinator candidates is still coaching in the NFL, so that's part of it for him, but the other ones are not, and it's weird that um, things haven't moved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I said at the beginning I'm not happy about Carnell and Zach Etheridge leaving. Um, things happen and people change jobs. And you and I talked about this, you know, a year ago when we talked about when Auburn was looking for a head coach and we talked about Carnell as a candidate, that part of the having Auburn people that you like on the staff is that someday they leave or you get rid of them. Yeah. And that's not pleasant. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so You know, I think Etheridge was, uh, you know, dating somebody that was related to somebody on the Houston staff, and so he was able. He went out there, Um, but I mean, he was a good coach and a good recruiter, and I'm sorry to lose him. Um, And I'm sorry to lose Carnell. I think he, yeah, you know, there's a bunch of rumors swirling around, and we're not going to talk about that stuff. But um, I also feel like, you know, a year ago, Carnell was the first assistant coach hired. And he was the first assistant coach named, and he gave Hugh Freeze credibility with the Auburn fans at that moment. That's true. By keeping him on. That's true. So, um, I think him leaving matters, and it you know I hope he uh, does well wherever he goes. That's how I feel about it.
0: Amen. Yeah. I again love Cadillac, but at the end of the day, we have hitched our wagon to our head coach, and we've got to go with him. We got to give him the chance to do his thing. And pl- and, and, and again, I'm not, not going to go into any of the allegations or anything other than I'll simply say there are those that say that Cadillac leaving had nothing to do with freeze. We don't know, and it's not our business, and I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to figure that Auburn did what they needed to do one way or the other, and that's that. Mm-hmm. So we go forward. And we'll hire a running back, maybe an offensive coordinator that's a running back coach, something like that. So Freeze can call the plays. And this can be the sort of the Rhett Lashley that organizes the offense and coaches at a position while Freeze kind of draws up the plan and and calls the plays. Something kind of. I was hoping we were done with all that, with (laughs) all that back and forth with with when we got rid of Gus, but. Apparently it's just an Auburn thing now. Is the coach that can't decide whether he wants to run the offense himself or delegate it, and back and forth we go. So, oh boy. All right. Well, Derek Nix is one person that's been talked about as an Ole Miss, but worked with Freeze there. He's been he had been at Ole Miss for 16. He's like the um, the Joe Witt apparently of Ole Miss. You know, just there through. You know, come pe- coaches come and go, and he's always there. But we'll see what happens. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, also, Kent Austin is in the discussion. He's been connected with uh, – he's he's already on the staff, right? He's been connected with Freeze yeah. for a long time and has been serving kind of like a quarterback coach. So that might be – maybe you make him the offensive coordinator and you hire a running back coach or a quarterback coach or something. That's right. So we'll see. Yeah. And then a couple of names for defensive coordinator.
2: Yeah. Uh, the one I reference is still in the NFL is Chris Kiffin, who's Lane's brother who's on the staff of the Houston Texans, but because they won on this weekend, they're going to play in the next round of the NFL playoffs next weekend. So the earliest potentially we're going to hire him is if they lose next week again, we could hire him, you know, seven or eight days from now.
0: Well, number one, why would he want to leave an NFL team that's in the playoffs to come be a, a co-defensive coordinator at Auburn?
2: I mean, I think, He's not going to leave until they lose, right? So if they keep winning,
0: well, if he yeah. keeps
2: winning, you're going to well, sure. keep pushing that off. I think, secondly, he's the linebacker's coach there. Oh, okay. Uh, so he's not, he's, he's not the defensive coordinator. No. Nah. He has not been a defensive coordinator in a while. He's been mm. a position coach multiple places. He coached under Freeze at Ole Miss, but I think he was like the defensive line coach and recruiting coordinator or
1: something. Mm.
2: So... Yeah, you know, he's a guy that's got a lot of experience, and I, um, you know, I think people have our confidence in him. But he is not a defensive coordinator right now, and hasn't been one in the last five, six years. I don't think so. That's something to keep an eye on with him. And the other name that's out there is Zach Arnett, who was the interim coach at you know the interim one year coach at Mississippi State after mm-hmm. uh, the coach passed away there, and who was the defensive coordinator before that. Who I think was a pretty good defensive coordinator. Yeah. He runs a little bit of uh, kind of what we are doing, but kind of a 3 3 um, you know. And I think he did a good job at that as a defensive coordinator. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that he doesn't have a job yet as a defensive coordinator somewhere. So I feel like with some of these other schools around the country that needed one, he would have gotten picked up already.
0: Yeah, I was having to explain to some people that they're like, but he got fired. I'm like, no, he was a defensive coordinator and was so good they made him the head coach. He got fired from being a head coach, but we're not wanting to hire him as a head coach. We're wanting to hire him as a defensive no. coordinator, which is something we know no, he No, I do. mean, he,
2: w- he was, yeah, exactly. He was not, he was a first year, head, first time head coach as an SEC head coach. It was just never, and he wasn't ready to be a head coach, much less in the SEC. No. And it showed, and he got fired. And can you name mm. the current Mississippi State head coach, the new one they replaced him with? I
0: I had forgotten until I looked up this. Didn't they get the Appalachian State coach
2: or something? Nope, nope. Jeff Lebby, who was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma, and before that worked for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss as offensive coordinator, he's the new Mississippi State head coach.
0: Oh wow, wow! So so Mississippi as a state is just all Kiffinized. It's it's the the Kiffinization. It's all offensive
2: of... coordinatorized too. It's
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that name. So there'd be they took the levy to old Starkville, let the s- levee was dry. <laughs> They're gonna be drinking whiskey and rye in Starkville, Stark Vegas. <sighs> oh, we lost the internet. We are experiencing a little technical difficulty and I may or may not remember to delete this part, so. Uh are you with me, John? I am here. Man, yeah, we're having internet issues. It may be the it's frozen. I am here. Yes. Alright, well hopefully it'll keep working um, all right so we did get a couple of players we got a commitment from Mississippi State offensive tackle uh, with SEC experience that's a good thing right
2: we did uh, Percy Lewis is it is a offensive tackle who uh, has played at Mississippi State you know started this season allowed one sack um, you know is a, a Yeah, there's not a lot of guys out there with SEC starting experience as an offensive tackle. Um, He's not an all-SEC player, but he's a guy who can play, Mm. and it could be effective as an SEC tackle. And so Auburn signed him with the idea they can move Dylan Wade inside a guard and keep keep you know with the rest of the uh, line recruits we've got, we're gonna feel like they're a pretty good place. Um, And then we brought in a safety from Texas today, Jaron Thompson, a senior who had played. A good bit. It was a four-star recruit at a high school, um, and it, it played as a kind of a veteran backup. And we know we need uh, some experience in the secondary. We got a lot of talented oh, yeah. young players, yeah. but don't have a lot of veterans. So
0: for sure. So that yeah, those. That's two positions that we needed more bodies. Yes. Just either because of we just have continued to struggle with getting offensive linemen, or the fact that it seemed like our whole defensive secondary that was good went to the NFL or left or whatever so we did get Brian Betty back he did he did the same thing that our defensive back did last week he stepped in the portal he did the he did the Homer Simpson's dad coming in the bar and turn around and going back out the bar <laughs> hat, taking the hat off putting the hat back on
2: that's it or what yeah they put the, the left foot in and the left foot out <laughs> did the hokey pokey shake it all about but he, yeah he uh, returned to Auburn and that's a good thing He. I mean I think as a kick returner, as a depth at running back, he's important. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. Um,
0: not the stud we, w- we really kinda hoped, but good solid piece that you don't want to lose again if you don't have to.
2: That's right. And and it may be that, you know, a new running back coach, a new offensive coordinator could find ways to, you know, yeah. unlock something that he's got. So um, and then on the NFL draft side, Jarquez Hunter is coming back. He you announced know, yes. that in the last few days. That's a good thing. And Justin Rogers is going. We had kind of suspected that was probably going to happen. He's a defensive lineman. The one, he's a big uh, defensive tackle that we got from Kentucky a year ago. He was one of their highest rated recruits ever, and he started a lot last year. <coughs> Excuse me. And he, he had an okay, pretty good season. Played a lot. Was a solid kind of defensive line player, plugger. And he's going to the NFL now. So,
0: yeah, going to the NFL. So he's not leaving us for some other school. All right, um, and then uh, you had a note about NFL draft. Did you cover that, or am I? Yeah, that was, that was just Jarquez that was and just Justin Rogers. So. Okay. Um, all right, so we'll keep an eye on what continues to happen with Auburn. Um, the, the, of course, the big thing is, and this gets us back to Alabama for a minute, is that Alabama's realizing that the portal opens just for them for 30 days because their coach retired. And they're mad at everybody except the person they should be mad at, who is, of course, Sabin. Because Sabin waited until now to retire. And um, that means the portal opens for people to leave Alabama. But, as, but as, the, as like the tighter insider, whoever was pointing out, the other schools' portals don't open, so they can't replace them. People can leave Alabama, but Alabama can't go and grab them from other schools. I'm so well, I, yeah let let me just let me let me salute their situation with a little bit of encouragement. There you go Alabama. That's the new Alabama fight song. There are I mean they can bring in players who are currently in the portal already
2: from yeah. other schools, right? Yeah. But what they can't do and what is happening is let's be clear Every SEC coach is calling every player in Alabama's roster saying, hey, we'd love to have you. Yep. And come on down. And let's be clear.
0: Yep.
2: Who recruited a bunch of those stud defensive players? Charles Kelly. Yeah. Okay? So I guarantee you he's following up with a couple of those players he recruited to Alabama to say, hey, you know, well, if you don't like how it's going over
0: there, come on in. Come, come on, come out of the place. There was one Alabama receiver that's leaving, and the, and a reporter asked him what percentage of it is Saban leaving and retiring, and he said one hundred percent. Let's hear the Alabama fight song again. Yeah, I mean,
2: I. Uh, Isaiah Bond, the receiver that caught mm. the stupid pass in the end zone uh, on 4th and 31 to beat us, right. left and transferred to Texas. There was running jokes about Daniel Moore was painting the painting of him, and now mm. he's gone. It's a,
0: it's a, it's a dotted, like it's a police chalk outline. It's a, it's a police well, chalk paint outline. paint him in a Texas uniform. There. John, John, remind me, where in the Alabama fight song am I not hearing the thing about the Yellow Jackets drowning in the tide? Let me play the let me play the Alabama Fight song one more time. There's some part in here about the Georgia Tech and the Jackets are drowning. Here it is. Somewhere in there, I'm supposed to be hearing the Rose Bowl. Wait, here it goes. Remember, the Rose Bowl will win then. Somewhere in there, I think. Not sure. Well, anyway. Um, i I'm just delighted Ryan Williams decommitted. Oh, that's the best. That's the best. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, you knew he was wrestling with it anyway. But that was really the straw that broke the camel's back. It
2: was a decision, and a tough decision, when Sabin was still there. but
0: Now. Well, the word is now it's us or Texas. And if Bond went to Texas, might that affect it somehow, maybe? Good or bad? I don't know. I, no, I don't know. They got. They got... Texas has this better quarterback
2: play, I'm going to say that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – you're right. If we do get this giant receiving class, you know we'll only have it for one year because either people will go pro or they're going to go in the portal. I mean, there's no way we're going to keep all those guys for more than one year. There's just no way. I just want to do it to be able to say we got them and we can have them for one year, but I, I just don't see any way. There's not enough balls to go around for to keep them all happy. We'd have to do the run and shoot. To keep them all happy,
2: I think. I mean, again, I think we have a more explosive offense. We're, you know, we're throwing the ball around a lot. We're, I think, it could work, but we have to have more completions than incompletions. Yeah, that would be nice.
0: All right, let's turn our attention to the glorious, glorious events that have been taking place on the basketball court. The basketball team had been winning by like 25 every week. Ever since they went to Appalachian State about eight or nine games ago and lost at Appalachian State, they have flipped a switch, they've turned it on, and they've been murdering people. And every game had the same formula, which was that for the first 20, For the first 15 minutes, it was competitive. We would usually be winning by three or four or five points consistently, but it would be close. And then somewhere around the five minutes to go in the first half, we would just drop the hammer and go into halftime anywhere between 12, 15, 20 points ahead. And that was every Dang game until Texas A and M, and Texas A and M because of what they do and how they play and everything. Full respect to to Buzz and all that. They're they're a really well coached, well schemed team, and so against Texas A and M, we had to struggle to the bitter end. It was a street fight. We pulled away and won by double digits at the end, but but it was a street fight till the last minute. Okay, and then against uh, LSU. I think it was just a case of kind of losing your focus because you're beating their brains in so bad that you just lose your – they just lost their concentration, I think. I don't, I don't take anything bad away from that. I think, it's a, I think that's a learning moment, as they say, right? It's a teachable moment.
2: We've said many times in the show the best kind of win is the kind where the coaches can still yell at the players about. Yes, stuff. And yes, that was the LSU game. It was. <laughs> okay. We got up twenty eight, and then everybody was like, eh, "We're going to do our own thing now." I'm going to go sign
0: autographs LSU. and take pictures, take selfies, and meanwhile, LSU's making threes. That's it. So, <sighs> but see, that's the kind of game that you lose. And we still won it by double digits because of our free throw shooting, which is another thing that's huge because how many times has that been in our Achilles' heel, his free throw shooting and stuff? So we were able to do some things at the end. We're going to talk about this. We were able to do things like put KD Johnson in, and he makes his free throws. He, I mean, you give KD credit for a bunch of things. A couple of things that you can say about KD, he will draw fouls and he will make free throws. That's right. Yeah, And, he, and we were able to pull away. But I felt like these two games after we blew out Arkansas, it's looking like everybody's going to blow out Arkansas. So a little luster's come off of that now. But um, but I felt like the way we played against uh, Texas A and M and the way we played against uh, a very tough uh, an LSU team that came back. Give them credit; they were mental. They they hung in there and didn't quit like Arkansas did. LSU could have quit and lost by forty. That's right. They didn't. They no, made. They us played fight. hard. Yes, well, there's a difference there. Yes, so those two games made me feel good because we did some bad things in those two games and still won by double digits, not 25 or whatever like we were doing, but we still won by double digits and showed we'll we've got so many options with this team. That's the thing, right? When when option A, B, C, D, and F are not working, option G will work. That's it, and that. I think they, they made me feel good for that reason. A bunch of top,
2: the top teams of college football, college basketball, lost last week. Fifteen yep. of the top 25 lost. Wow. Most of them lost to unranked teams. Some of them lost twice to unranked teams last yep. week. And Auburn did not. And... Auburn proved that it could win different styles of basketball games against different teams. Mm -hmm. You're right. We have been running away from everybody, and we needed to get into a knife fight, a street fight with a team, and slug it out. And we did that. And what a big reason for that was, like you said, free throw shooting. And this may end up going down as Bruce Pearl's best free throw shooting team at Auburn. They're really good at it, and it matters. They don't turn the ball over. They do play great defense. And against AM, they shut down the two best offensive players on AM's team.
0: Yeah, and one of the best players in the conference or something. I was That's thinking That's right. Wade was
2: that Wade was the preseason all conference player of the year, mm-hmm. and we held him to like whatever, eight points in that game. He had like thirty the next game against Kentucky. Yeah. And they beat Kentucky. And we held them to like, what do we hold them to? 55 I think they had 53 at halftime against Kentucky.
0: Wow. Yeah. I you know, I thought what Bruce Bruce's quote was so good and I think it's something that we need to remember. He said something to the effect of we're better than they said we were going to be, but we're not as good as they think we are. And I think that's – but that's a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is I mean, it's a team that's still got some vulnerabilities. I, I think the number one thing is they still fall into that chuck it and duck it trap that I've complained about for how many years. And there's only been one Auburn team that could fall into that trap and still do well, and that was the 2019 team because Bryce Brown and Jared Harper would make those shots. But every other Auburn player since then that's tried to do that When we get into the chuck it and duck it, they don't. The the shots don't fall. We'll be we'll be like three for twenty seven three pointers when that happens, and I can't stand it. They they've got the players. They can go inside, and instead, Aiden Holloway's standing on the middle of the AU throwing up a three pointer with seventeen seconds on the clock. I mean, on the you know on the play clock. I'm like, what are you doing? Why? So, um, and we're gonna kind of. I want to go down the list in just a second, but. Um, yeah, a couple of things. The LSU game. LSU was 2-0. and They were undefeated. The winner, that, the winner of the Auburn-LSU game was going to join Alabama as the only two teams already, after just three games, undefeated in the SEC. And we are now. Auburn and Alabama are the only two undefeated in the SEC teams. Even Ole Miss, when they finally did lose, it was, I think, to Tennessee, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Tennessee lost. Um, we are stealing the ball about the way some of the better Bruce teams have stolen the ball and we're not turning the ball over. You know, and I'm, right. I'm I give tough love to Aiden Holloway, but I tell you, running the offense and not and, and passing the ball, he doesn't turn it over. And that's great. Credit to him. And and Trey Donaldson, of course, has been very solid. And again, unless you only had the ball,
2: you know, about Sixty times in this game, we turned them over about twenty percent of the times they yes. came down the court. We stole the ball. It's like twenty yeah. percent of the times they came to the court, and not like okay, like a we mugging a shot clock. Yeah, not like a okay. We forced a shot clock violation, or they threw it away because <laughs> our defense was good. We stole the ball, and that led to poison transition going the other direction.
0: Oh, I mean, uh, Chad Baker Mazzara pull out a switchblade and a blackjack, knocked the guy's head out. Take the ball away from him and run down the other end, or throw it to somebody. I mean, that happened over and over. They they didn't know what they were. LSU and didn't if, know if what the they were in for. Officials aren't going to you know, call it tight. Will take the ball away from you. That's not a problem. <laughs> absolutely. If they will allow manslaughter, you slaughter those men, and they did absolutely. Uh, so sixteen steals uh, and and scored. Um, we talked about they kind of went into the shell in the second half, and they start basically started like walking it up and looking for a play with like seven or eight minutes more than that to go in the game, and that game it felt like the last seven or eight minutes of that game were an eternity, didn't it? Oh my gosh, we we got the big lead, and everybody fell asleep,
2: and was, you know do what I want to on offense and defense, and I think there's this selflessness about this team because they play so many players players to play so many minutes and when he get up 28 everybody's like well I don't have to be quite so selfless now okay yeah. and yeah. then the wheels come off
0: yeah that's right and and what do you do right when it gets to that what do they do they put in uh, Trey Donaldson steady as a rock at point guard and can score and they put in KD who can create and can draw fouls and force the issue, and um, they with those two at guard. I mean, it it changes the equation. There's no more yes. tentative. There's no more tentative. If they're gonna go down, they're gonna go down swinging and blazing, right? All guns firing. So yeah, we'll get to that more in a second. Great free throw shooting, as you mentioned. So all right. So coming up Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night, eight o'clock central, nine eastern. We've got Vandy at Vanderbilt at Nashville. The weird court, Um, and then the next. I think the date here is wrong, but the next game is Saturday uh, against Ole Miss at um, yeah the twentieth. Saturday the twentieth at home against Ole Miss at seven thirty. That'll be an interesting one. I'm I'm curious to see how the crowd (laughs) reacts to the return of uh, of Flan. Hopefully they'll be respectful because we love Flan. He he tried I, I his best. I love that guy. He played hard for us. I don't have a problem with it. And his dad is a was a great player and a great coach for us. So yeah, I don't have a problem with yeah. him at all. Um, all right. So let's lay it down a little bit. I want to look at the team and the players just really quickly. Just some quick hits here. What do you think about this team and its potential?
2: I mean, we've seen over the last few games, we've seen the rest of the SEC. This team is a, you know, in contention. They're good, you know, our, I said a couple weeks ago our goal is to be one of the top four in the SEC. So we get that by double buy in the SEC tournament, and we're in a good position for the NCAA tournament. And I think we could definitely do that. We've seen the rest of the league. I think we're in a good place to do that. And I think this team, you know, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I think this team can can be in contention down the stretch. So I'm excited to see where they can go. I think this team can win different styles of games. Like you said, they can yeah. They can play great defense, they can win with free throws, they got inside game, they got outside game, they can play an up and down, fast-paced, full-court game, they can slow it down and work it inside the broom. Um, They have different kinds of players, and I think based on the matchup and who's playing well, they can mix up the lineup, like you said, for the -the down-the-stretch lineup that works best to close out the other team. So, Mm -hmm. I think it really has a lot of versatility, and I just think the... The way Bruce and his staff are using the 10 players, we put the pressure on the other team and we don't let up. It's like a vice that we crank on them from the minute the game starts and there's no relief for them.
0: Yeah, and the defense always is there. When the offense is is not working, you can just hold the other team down and and squeeze the life. We talked about the Anaconda strategy. yeah, Anaconda, squeeze it out. I just want to hit a few players. KD – uh, Johnson, the whole idea of just he brings energy and passion. There was a great interview after the game on TV uh, that they did. They put it, they put the headphones on him and had him talk to the to the uh, ESPN guys or whatever. And they asked him, "Could you do the mug, do the scowl?" And he's like, "No, man, it's over. I can't. do it. <laughs> The game's not going on. The game's over with." So he's like, "I can't do it now." He was so funny. He's so good. And, um, but the thing, the thing that's valuable to me about him is not just the energy and passion that can fire at the players, because Dylan Carwell can do that too, and it's great. But KD is the one player on this team that consistently will attack. He goes to the goal. He often gets killed, I'm worried he's going to get paralyzed before his career is over. But he will throw his body on the line when nobody else will. When everybody else seems tentative and not quite sure they want to commit, KD, you can say what you will about him. He is he might ought to be committed, but he is committed. He is he, committed. He will go to the rim. There is no fear. Yes. No fear. Right. The the two players before him that were like that, of course, uh, Javon McCormick had, had that in him, and of course, Jared Harper. And you need somebody like that, that... Energy and fire and passion and willingness to put their body on the line. Um, he got a reverse dunk against LSU too, which was awesome. Off of that, off of that great. steal and pass. Yeah, uh, Chad Baker Mazzara. We got to talk more about him. He has become a massive disruptor, a defensive force. I believe I, I I was I'd already written this into the show notes, and then later I saw that somebody had quoted Bruce as saying that something like this team will go as far as. Chad Baker Mazzara can help us or something? So he had a really interesting he, quote about it.
2: He's like an X-factor for this team, I think, right? Yes. So we know what we're getting out of Broom and Jalen Williams, and yeah. we know what we're getting out of the guards at this point, and Chad Baker Mazzara is a is an X-factor. He's, gr- he's way better defensively than I thought he was going to be. Yes. I thought he was going to be an offense-only, mm. off-the-bench guy who came in and shot some threes, and I thought he'd get pushed around. Because he's so tall and thin, I thought he mm. had problems holding up. But it's not just that he's not a, a liability on defense; he is a, a huge force on defense. He makes things happen. He disrupts the other team, and he has some of that mm. confidence you need to be like, "Yeah, I got this." I'm going
0: go to play, of course, and points. Yes. Would you? I, I would if I were Bruce right now. I might. I might start him over Chris Moore. I think. The offense the with the starting lineup, Moore's perfect because he's a
2: rebounder and a defensive guy, and they've got four other guys out there that can score.
0: Yeah. They don't need yeah.
2: another shooter. And That's they true. having Mazzara come off the bench, it's like instant
0: offense. It's interesting we brought in like three or four kind of generic guys to be those. Bruce forwards. We've talked forever, right, about how Bruce gets these guys that are unheralded mid, you know, forwards and he's always made them really important role players. We didn't know which ones were going to emerge. Would it be Denver Jones? Uh would it be Chad Baker Mazzara? Would it be uh there's Cheney a couple Johnson. of Cheney Johnson? He's MIA, he's on a milk bottle. I don't milk carton. I don't know where he is. But Baker Mazzara has emerged, and he's he's carving out a spot for himself.
2: Somebody in line called him today, Chad Baker, the three point maker.
0: <laughs> I, I like, like it. it. Yeah, I like the little three uh, panel cartoon they have. Like they have like a, a a dude bro for Chad, and then a guy putting dough in the oven for Baker, and then a, a bowl of red sauce from. <laughs> <Mazzara. laughs> It's Chad Baker Mazar. I like that. Um, I call him CBM. Um, all right, and then a couple others. So Jalen continues to rise the occasion and just be what we need him to be. That's so good to see. Dylan is doing his. Dylan is. Somebody said Dylan is li- living his best life. <laughs> he but certainly he, is. He is.
2: He has. This is one of the things that we. It's easy to miss because it going by so fast, Bruce Pearl and his staff do a great job developing the players who stay and yeah. Dylan Carwell is a much better basketball player than he was two years ago. yeah he's really effective when he's on the floor, he plays good defense, he rebounds and he can finish you know when we need him to he could get the ball near the basket and make
0: it happen. It's funny to think he backed up Walker Kessler. And then he backed mm-hmm. up Broom, And in both cases, he's been content with it. He does his thing, and he's exciting, and he's fun, and we love him, and we root for him. Uh, Aiden Holloway is a great point guard. I just wish he'd stop the chucking and ducking. But I keep being I, told what a great shooter he is, but the only shots I ever see him taking are from 35 feet away. I hear you, but I think there'll be games before
2: the end of the season when he leads the team in scoring. I'm just, I hope so. He's tearing other teams up.
0: I'd love to see it. I want him to do well. Trey Donaldson, though, I think has been the rock. I just think he's been the man, and he is—he's he, the steady, yes.
2: right? He—he he gets the with the team, We've seen sometimes in the past that when you don't have a veteran, especially backup point guard, the team will get flustered, they'll get out of sync. Mm-hmm. But you know,
0: there's uh, no drop-off when he comes in. No, no, no. And and I mean that second team of starters. You know, we say we've got ten starters, and and. It seems like about five minutes into the clock, we, we do the shift change. You know, It starts out with Aiden Holloway and Janai Broom and uh, Chris Moore and Jalen Williams and I don't and know Denver who the fifth Fins. one Denver, yeah, And then we do the shift change, and suddenly it's KD and Trey Donaldson and Dylan Cardwell and Chad, Chad Baker-Mazzara. Baker-Mazzara, and that team is so good. That team is so good that we just run them out there and the other team doesn't get any break.
2: That's it. And they, they're they way better than the other team substitutes. And if the other team leaves their starters in, they're tired, they're tired from chasing our starters around, and then all of a sudden, they're in
0: trouble. Absolutely. It's so good. Um, the other guys, like I said, Denver Jones, Chaney Johnson, Chris I, Moore, i just like to see a little more out of them. Again, I, this is what I want to say about Denver Jones. I He has not scored as much as I want
2: him to, but... He has become – one of the things I was really worried about with this team, a big weakness we've for, kind of forgotten about from last year's team is the the big, talented wing players, the, the shoot, small forwards and the shooting guards of this league tore us up last year. Mm. We were target practice. Those guys would come into Auburn and play us and get 20, 30 points a lot of times. And Zepp and then would do their best, but they were undersized and they worked. Uh, you know, some of the other Wendell. players around weren't as good. Denver Jones is the main guy that locked up Wade Taylor and then locked up LSU's best offensive player and absolutely shut them down. Okay. There was a graphic that somebody tweeted out today that had basically all the players in college basketball based on their like offensive and defensive ratings. And Denver Jones was like in the top
0: five in defense wow. in the country right now. Okay. That's I'm so glad he, you said that. That's because you get like you said, that's stuff that you don't always see. Mm-hmm. So that's good. He's
2: he's taking the other team's best wing player and totally shutting them down. And that and I agree. Like I think he could score more. I'd like for him to look for his shot a little bit more. I think he's a good offensive player. But right now he's doing things that help the team win. And there'll be a time when we need him to be able to have a game and make some shots and he I think he could do it.
0: Last thing I'll say about the basketball there was a chart, and it showed different teams and players, additions and whatever, and the further up to the top right corner you were, the bigger nationally you were, and we had like four guys. The AU logo was in four places up in that top right corner. Mm -hmm. It didn't always have the name, so I'm not sure who they were, but the the more up in that direction you were, the better, and we were up in that direction, and that was really good.
2: I know we're in the 99th percentile, like in production from our bench.
0: Oh, you like, got to uh, think different. so. I mean,
2: <laughs> so it, I think and it's a thing, it's a kind of thing. It's like defense, depth, travels. It's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. We're not going to shorten the the roster as we get mm-hmm. closer. I think we got to keep playing this way and I think it's going to help us.
0: Yeah. This is really remarkable to see. It is. Um, all right. Other things going on, we're still working on having a book signing in Auburn and in Birmingham. Uh, we're currently looking at somewhere in Birmingham on March 8th, Friday, and Auburn on March 9. Uh, the update since last week that we spoke is that negotiations are underway in at least one of those locations. So we should know more soon. Uh, we need to know more soon because we had to get the they have to get the books and everything. But we'll let you know more as soon as we find out. Now hope my voice will hold out a little bit more um, because <laughs> got to thank the patrons and I'm gonna do this one a little quicker because like I said, my voice is starting to give out a little bit and I got to go teach my first classes tomorrow. So let's see if I can get through this. We have to thank. Uh, Oh, these are the folks who went to www.auwishbone.com and became patrons, clicked on the big orange button to become patrons, and they support the show, keep the program on the air, and we appreciate them so much. They even got their names printed in the first couple of pages. Of the last two or three, I guess three or four Auburn books that we've done, including first time ever, which should be in uh, on Amazon and available in March, I think, when we are doing our book signing. So it's getting closer. It's getting closer. Uh, it's probably less than two months away from everybody being able to get one, um, uh, and then people can leave reviews once it goes up. Um, all right. So we have to thank Samuel Salvatore says tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming with pearl white snow and I think that may be our forecast actually <laughs> I'm waiting to find out right now if that actually is when I open my iPhone and I flip over to the weather app and I click on it it says tonight's forecast a freeze is coming that's yeah that's that's what it says so who I can't I can't argue with that uh, also, Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Dr. Crocum, Logan Chilton. <laughs> oh, he, he's going he, he, to, Logan, you're going to have to change your little thing because we actually officially retired Rule Britannia off the soundboard last week. So, da, 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 da. yeah, yeah, I get it. Ann Pridgen, Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, uh, David WDE, Salmons Esquire, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. at KSC. If Carol Shelby would have seen LSU fans Saturday and Sunday, he would have said... I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. That's right, because we didn't mention that. Uh, the the women beat LSU, who's a great you know national champion, defending national defending champion, national champ, gigantic win for the women's basketball team. And then there was some talk from LSU that their players were demoralized after watching us take their men's team. They were in the arena and saw us demolish their yeah whatever. I said that just means we beat them three times instead of twice, right? They said don't let don't let it beat you twice. Well, we beat them three times. Uh, let's see, Matt Flowers, Michael Kirschner. Oh, here's your favorite one, John. Phil Amthor says that. No. no!
2: No! No, I'm devastated. I'm devastated. They're celebrating right in front of me. This is the worst. This is the worst.
0: <laughs> no! I, I think that was actual audio from the LSU women's team coach <laughs> on, on Saturday before the Sunday game, yes. Uh, let's see. Richard Stevens, Steve Trewick, Susan Traywick. Man, my voice is getting ragged. This is this really sucks. Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden. when Carroll led Wyoming to three titles in NCAA 14. You know where to contact me, John Cohen. Alex Brown's Auburn football's Elvis. Blin, uh, ben, I keep doing that to poor Ben. Ben Bloodworth bleeds orange and blue. Bob WDE Salmon's Esquire, a.k.a. 76 Tigers. Sleazy Shyster for...
1: Jones Barbecue Foot Messiah.
0: Chad McDowell, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Daniel Odom, Bobby. Every morning I walk my cows through the vineyard. I heard it through the grapevine. Oh, oh man. Oh, Oh. So good. So good. The quality material that we have on this show is just mind-boggling. Harry Zager, H-Town Danny. Hugh, humiliated again. In home, Hugh, Jacob, and Robin, Fleming, Catherine, England, Ke- Kevin, Smith, Lane, Milton, Mickey, B, Mister. F- oh, um, oh, oh, oh! I always get this one. I always get this one mixed up. Uh, I'm going to do it this way. I'm afraid that my condition has left me
2: cold. To your pleas of mercy.
0: There we go. For those that don't know it, it dawns on me, I don't think I've ever told where that music comes from that we use for the portals. It's because it's the Doctor Who theme. That's the BBC's Doctor Who theme. So it seemed appropriate for portals. Yeah. The more you know, the more you learn. No. Now you know the rest of the story. The rest story. of the story. That is true. That is correct. Um, I thought I had I thought I thought had something uh, new on there, but I guess not. Oh, well. Um... Then so be it. There you go. No, and fights like Gaston. Algo, Rhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, Rhodesian Mudflap. Pour me a, a mix me another Rhodesian Mudflap, John, to get me through the show. Uh, Rich Reimer, Rusty Owens, Steve Harlan, Theodore Gary, Todd Robinson, Wade Ward, Walker White, QB1. Please. Freeze, ice, freeze, icy, winter, fiber,
2: frozen, icy, freeze,
0: winter, ice, ice, freeze, winter, winter, freeze, cold, frosty. frosty. W.D. Richie loves our basketball team. Wiggle, Wiggle, Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Winston Body, Auburn Blue, Bama was grabbing face masks like it was a national title from the 1920s, Blake Karen Boris the Tiger, what? Brandon Smith, Boris made some new salsa yesterday. It's really good. Charles Mooney, Corey Smyer, David D, David Simpson, Josh Teal, just wait till next year. Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Mandy Thompson. I believe Mandy won the uh, bowl pick'em. She did? Awesome. Fantastic job. Only person. Only We only had one person do as well as she did, so fantastic. Uh, Melissa Blackstone, Papa Todd. Patrick Williams <laughs> oh, yeah, I, that was the one I couldn't find. Patrick Williams says, whether you
2: like it or not, learn to love it, because it's the best thing going today.
0: Woo! Woo! Ah, I love it. I love it. Oh, I had the Arkansas thing on here somewhere. Oh, there it is. Yeah, that's that's a pretty bold statement. You know what I mean? It's, and it's factual. That's it. Philip Martin, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shannon Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston. The only freeze I care about is the frozen ice inside Auburn basketball's veins. I, I hear you. Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Wiggle87, Woody the Jag, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. A few more patrons left. Alex Wynn. Hey, you falling up. Barls, Charkley. Ben Amos, Ben Regis, Can we hire Phillips to be our O.C. so we'd have Mr. Freeze and the Joker? <laughs> I, I like that actually. I like that. Chris Como, Chris Braun, Clay Henson, Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle, Liz Donald We uh, we gotta get better at celebrating. I am Tiger, Evil HR Director. We actually had an Evil HR Director at, at the college for a little while, but but we ran him off. Thank God. Uh, evil HR Director of. John-
2: Barbecue foot massage.
0: And I guess they needed one too, where all the employee they've got so many employees, judging by our patrons, that they got to have an HR director to sort all this out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jim McCrory, John Otsuki, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains reminds us that the barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. AKA Auburn Dead for Life. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. Your love of the halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. New York Tiger can't take his new thermos into MSG because the Rangers never get to drink from the Stanley Cup. Oh, hey, hey, oh. <laughs> Paul Bankson, Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth, and Darren Sutherland. Spanky, I'm at the bottom of this list because... Scott Wilson! <laughs> That's
1: a while you can, monkey boy.
0: Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, Steve Bailey, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brent Rumble, plus our one-time and our anonymous donors. We thank you all. Go to www.auwishbone.com. Had we not finished up the bowl pickem last time, right? So we have to we, officially we did, announce.
2: We, I mean, we officially announced during the during the show last week that if Michigan won, she would be Mandy Thompson would be the winner, and they won.
0: Congratulations. So, please. Uh, hey, we got to get better at celebrating. Please clap. There you go. So, uh, you know, this is. And I say you. Absolutely. So, congratulations. That was a great dominating performance by Mandy. Really, really well done. Way to go. And, and now she can look at us all and say. Whether you like it or not, <laughs> learn to love it.
2: Because it's the best thing going today. Woo.
0: There it is. All right. All right. And now, you knew it was coming back for this week. Just too much going on. Coming up, we have listener questions and guess the game, plus a trip around the SEC. But first, it is our weekly look at the miscreant's knuckleheads and ne'er-do-wells who collectively constitute this week's worst coaches in the world. The bronze medal goes to Dabo Swinney. If Nick Saban, as I said earlier, had retired in 2018 or been hit by a bus, he probably would have gotten the job hands down, but he moved from the big-time category to the almost category alongside Jimbo Fisher in just a couple of Years, A really remarkable drop-off.
2: The one candidate Alabama fans actively chanted, please don't hire that guy.
0: Amazing. Yeah, amazing. The silver medal goes to our old buddy Lane Kiffin. I was sure he backed away from the Auburn job because he thought he'd have a shot at Alabama soon. Welp, they were not interested in him, and now he's stuck at Ole Miss. He's not the Auburn coach. He's not the Alabama coach. He is going to never do more, I don't think, than 10 or 11 wins, and I and that'll get him in the new playoff, maybe. But I don't he's think not he's gonna win in the conference. No, he's not gonna win the conference. He's not. Um, but the gold medal, the gold medal, goes to Kalen DeBoer. Kalen DeBoer, this poor so-and-so has no idea what he's gotten himself into. He sees all the recent success at Alabama, the championships, the roster, but what he doesn't see is BAMBER NATION, y'all! woo It's like being offered the keys to a Learjet that's parked in the middle of a bog. So, yeah, it's a nice jet, but enjoy dealing with all the swamp creatures and whatnot, Kalen. He hasn't even experienced the running of the gumps yet. He may jump, turn around, drop right back in the car and drive back to Seattle when he sees that conflagration happen. He just doesn't know what he's in for. Seeing him waving at the Alabama fans pressed up against the chain link and barbed wire fence at the airport, that warmed my heart, John. It always makes me happy to see incarcerated Alabama fans like they deserve, right? Behind fences and behind barbed wire. They were not gonna have what happened to Sabin happen to him, where the crazy drunk lady was wouldn't let go of him and was grabbing him around the neck and the state trooper had to drag him drag her away. They were not letting that happen this time. They had him behind fences and it looked like the Berlin Wall. I was looking for Eric Honecker to get off that jet, not <laughs> not Calen Deboer, man. I was ready for Egon Krenz to come up and some old lady start hitting him with a purse. That's what I was looking for. It was a prisoner the, exchange. It was, yeah, it was like bridge of spies out there, man. It was surreal. This is some deep inter, deep international relations cuts right here, by the way. Uh, but it was so perfect. It looked like illegal aliens at the border. And then at the press conference, it even got better. Did you see the looks on the faces and the body language of everybody there? I mean, that did not look like they were happy. That looked like they're going, oh, dear Lord, what have we done? So. I do think
2: he's been in a place where there were boosters, but they stayed out of his way. Oh, wait. you know, Saban was the one guy that could keep the Alabama boosters in line. People That's for nice. years in college football media would talk about, "Oh, Auburn and their boosters are so mm-hmm. bad." Everybody's forgotten the Alabama boosters because Saban kept them in order and said, "Sit down, be quiet, Get do what I tell you to do." Chained up in the anything.
0: basement, in the dungeon, and
2: and now they're all going to come out of the woodwork and be like, <laughs> "I'm the guy for the reason for success. You got to do it my way, my and way, boy, it, and you got to listen to me, Coach." <laughs> and it is going to be anarchy.
0: That's going to be so good. Caitlin DeVore, you may be a good and decent man, but you've stepped in a gigantic pile of horse crap, and you are this week's worst coach in the world! All right, and now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, John.
1: And John, the rest of the AU Wishbone family. This is first year of the Bowl Pick'em Contest winner, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale artist, here with Guess the Game number 110. Guess the Game 110 is brought to you by Aaron oh Hawley. And let's give a listen to see what Aaron sent in.
0: One twenty-three left on the clock. Auburn 16, 13. Pressure backside. He's got it. Ball is loose.
2: Picked up.
1: Okay, guys, I will see you in the hint file. All right, the announcer was? That sounded
2: like Ron Franklin, didn't it? It was Ron Franklin. Uh, so this has been a while. It's an older clip an ESPN yeah. game. from Usually a
0: night game.
2: Usually a night game, but like a night game from like 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, at least. So Auburn was up 16-13 to 13 mm-hmm. and caused a fumble and picked it up and ran
0: it in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. I... <laughs> I have, I, I wasn't. It sounded sh- like a home game. It did. I was trying to look at the numbers too. That would have made it 22 or 23 to 13, maybe. Yeah. If we kicked an extra point, it would have been 23 13. Yes. Yes. You know what it makes me think of is the game I got the job here in Illinois in 2006, and I moved up here, and then I immediately flew back down to go to the Florida game that year. Florida may have been ranked number 1, I'm not sure, and it was the game where our quarterback was well, let's see, was that was 2006. So, I guess that was Cox. Mm-hmm. But but um do you remember wasn't that the game where we won but we never scored any offensive points? We had like an interception return, a We blocked a punt and Trey Smith did the flip in the end zone. Pontiac game. We've had
2: the Trey Smith flip in the end zone play. I guess the game. We
0: have. That's the game Pontiac game changing play of the year. So that's the 2006 Florida game. Yeah, that's because I mean, didn't we like sack their quarterback on the last play and get another touchdown and make it look even worse? And honestly, I don't think we did more than kick a field goal in offense, and yet we had 22 or 23. In fact, that may have been the last play of the game, and we didn't even kick the extra point. It may have been 22-13. 22-13. It I, may have been. I, I like it. All right, let's go to the hint file and see if we're in the right. Here we are line. in the hint file. Let's get rid of those
1: bleeps and give it another listen.
0: 123 left on the clock. Auburn 16. Kansas State 13.
2: Pressure backside. Groves has got it. Ball is loose. Picked up by Auburn. 20. Five, touchdown, Antonio
0: Coleman. All right, guys, I will see you in the answer file. All right, well, we know the team now, so we know we were wrong, but I think it was around that same year when we opened up against mm-hmm. maybe 07. I want to say eight, but it could be seven. Eight was a bad year. We didn't win too many that year, but we did, well, we did all right, I guess, at the beginning, and we kind of fell apart. But now maybe seven. Was that not the same year we played? We opened with like Kansas State, and then we played South Florida and lost to South Florida? That was the year South Florida actually was number one for a couple of weeks.
2: But what, didn't we start that year? 0 two am my no, am I crazy?
0: I feel like we beat Kansas State because I feel like I watched that game at Dragon Con. So that would be the first game. Yeah. And then we lost to South Florida in week two okay. and and then we went on and actually beat Florida in Gainesville mm-hmm. with the with the Byram chomp. Yeah, you know, I feel like, but again, I messed okay. this up already on the first guess. So. No, no, but let's go 2007. 2007, 2007 Kansas, Kansas State. State. Let's all right, Jared, Mister. All right, John and Van. If you guys figured out this
1: is Auburn playing Kansas State in 2007, well, then you win. I want to thank Aaron Hawley for sending that in. If you want to be like Aaron and send in a play for guess the game, you can hit me up on social media. I am at Yard Sale Artist on x facebook and instagram or you can email me directly i am at jared j-a-r-r-o-d at the yard sale artist.com.
0: until next time van john Borigo. i you know i appreciate uh the very first bowl pick'em winner jared as he reminded us he was getting tired of <laughs> boris getting all the publicity for that that was hilarious that was so good um but I, um, I the thing about it that really to me the takeaway from guess the game is that is that we've devoted enough of our brain cells to remembering that kind of thing. Listen, <laughs> uh,
2: Van and I are not spring chickens. No, and there are many things that have happened in the last two years that I cannot remember. Amen. But I do remember these obscure Albert football games and the events that <laughs> happened, to them and the way the announcers called them. That's for sure. And those are burned into my brain. So whatever that says about me, it's yeah. it's what it is.
0: I just had yet another birthday a couple of days ago, so I'm not a spring chicken by any means. I'm I fall. I'm moving past fall into winter, which is pretty horrifying. <laughs> but I do still remember random crap about games from like 1982 and stuff. So yeah. Oh, Jared had a couple other things, and I, I forgot exactly the parameters, so let's just fire this up.
1: Hey, Van and John, since I had the mic, I figured I'd do a send-in audio question this week. On the last episode, we talked a lot about the turnover of assistant coaches especially, and it put me in mind of a question I thought would be fun, especially mixing it back with the old days when I used to do the superhero comparisons of the Auburn football games. Here's my question. I'd like to know, picking just from Marvel and DC characters... If you were to have a fantasy football team made of superheroes, Mm. who would you want as your head coach, Mm. your offensive coordinator, Ah. and your defensive coordinator? I'll put my thoughts in a separate audio file so you guys can discuss,
0: and maybe we'll see if we match. All right. And I do have his picks here. These are really short. But that's an interesting question. I feel like you've got to have Professor X in there in the brain trust somewhere, right? Mm
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, you want – veterans experienced players maybe uh dr doom is defensive coordinator
0: yeah that's a good that's a good call bring a villain in he's gonna get it done maybe mr fantastic i don't know i, don't, I, I see here's the thing i feel like mr fantastic smart but i don't think he knows football you know who on that team knows football oh, is, the, is the thing
2: that's gonna say or
0: uh somebody who's had a lot of
2: experience with tactical stuff is cap
0: yeah captain america is a good call that's true yeah, so we got Captain America, Professor X, Doctor Doom, but I do think I I, I want the thing as some kind of like an assistant coach. Offensive because, line coach. Oh, off, yes, he is offensive line coach. Yeah, come here, you bums. Let me tell you something. Oh yeah, he'd be great. He'd be great. Yeah. All right. Um, so we got our defensive coordinator. I guess. Caps, the offensive coordinator. Maybe Professor X is the head coach. I like
2: Professor X as head coach because he can just read the other coach's mind (laughs) and do what they call.
0: He's not stealing signs. He's stealing thoughts, man. He's stealing thoughts. All right, let's hear what Jared has to say. This will be good.
1: All right, John, Van, let's talk about head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator from the Marvel and DC universes. For my head coach, I am taking Captain America. He's the ultimate leader and a very good tactician. For offense, I am taking Batman. Ah. No one knows how to find weaknesses and exploit them like the Dark Knight. Good call. For good Defensive call, Coordinator, I want someone who can inspire toughness, knows strategy but real grit, and I'm going to have to go with Ben Grimm, the thing from the Fantastic yeah. Four. Okay. Well, I'm interested to listen and see what you guys
0: said, so I'll catch you later. War Eagle. Nice. Good job. Good job by Jared. I like that. Let me go ahead and remove those. So good I- call. That was good. That's a good job by Jared, as always. All right, and now it is the most awkward transition in podcasting. Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister.
1: It's time for
2: listener questions. Start da, or dawn da, on the AU Wishbone podcast. Whether you like
0: it or not. All right, what do we got?
2: All right, we only have one listener question this week, so I got to put the pressure back on the listeners okay Get, we had we went through a, a glut of great lister questions y'all got to come out and, and give us some more so this is a question this is from uh, lister josh corbett who says john van and boris war eagle <laughs> to all three of you i have <laughs> one simple question this week but let me set the stage it's 2024 and freeze needs to show progress and not just lean on great recruiting freeze uh, had announced that has been announced as the play caller for the 2024 season. That means he'll be using his total offense. The freeze offense goes through the quarterback. Look at his time at Ole Miss and Liberty. So Auburn needs a dynamic playmaker at starting quarterback. We saw Hank Brand in the bowl game, and Walker White's coming in as an All-American. And both of these uh, look like for a moment it's not too big for them you has been quoted saying the quarterback position is wide open and a competition will happen in the spring. My quarter, My question to y'all is, will Auburn have a different starting quarterback in 2024? If so, who is more likely to start, Hank or Walker? Where you going? Keep up the great work. Thank you, Josh Corbin. All
0: right. My computer was going crazy there for a second. So hit that last sentence or two for me again. I'm sorry.
2: Will Auburn have a different starting quarterback in 2024? If so, who is more likely to, to be the new starter, Hank Brown or Walker White?
0: That is a really good question, especially considering what we saw from Hank Brown in the bowl game. Do you, do, let me ask you this. Let me, I'll just sum it up this way. Do you feel like Hank Brown, and we don't know, do you feel like Hank Brown got a fair shake, a fair, a fair opportunity up to this point?
2: I mean he was a true freshman and not a highly rated one and yeah. i can't remember if he came through spring practice next year last year i don't remember that yeah, i don't know but in any case i i he did because he was a true freshman and i think he was thrown in in a, in a team in a, that situation mm-hmm. but i think you know he's going through spring practice walker white's going through spring practice they're going to have their shot um I, my prediction is Auburn will start at least two different players at starting quarterback in 2024.
0: Wow. That could be good or bad depending on how you look at it. It could. But and and, and
2: I think uh one of these two guys will start and I'm going to I'm going to put my money on Walker White.
0: Well, I mean, we know he has the ability, but again, he'll be a true freshman, so we'll see. That'll be yeah. I I I I like that we got some options. I don't I don't I don't know that it's the the time is right for Walker White or Hank Brown, but it might be.
2: Yeah, I clearly I like I don't want to roll him out there to have his first game be in Athens or anything. But you know, if we have a stretch, we have a long stretch of home games at the end of the year. If Peyton Thorne is not getting it done, maybe we see what happens.
0: Yeah, yeah, it may be. Um, actually, a couple of things came in through the Patreon for us. I'll just say right quick. <laughs> Uh, Samuel Salvatore said Sabin retiring it's a miracle he just summed it up short and sweet like that I agree Um, and it was a Christmas miracle just a few days later and then Bob WDE Salmon's Esquire aka uh, 76 Tiger Sleazy Shyster he said, John and Van, as you have discussed, we don't have starters in a bench on the basketball team. We have two wonderful teams. Maybe we should stop referring to the starters in the bench and come up with other terms that don't demean that wonderful team that comes out and torches the other team about seven minutes in the game. That's kind of what I was talking about. Uh, what do you think, Bob the Sleazy Shyster? I, I we have to think of some names. Let's um, throw it out maybe to our listeners. What should, How should we refer to the... Different shifts that we have, or something. I said like a shift change.
2: Yeah, shift change, like in hockey, mm-hmm. send out a whole new wave of guys. But it could be like, um, you know, it could be like the orange shift and the blue shift, or something. I don't yeah, know, but, I, but it could be something better than that. I,
0: no, I think yeah, I think it's something along those lines for sure. But I'm curious to hear what the listeners say. How how should we refer to? The fact that we do have basically, as I've always said, ten starters, you know, which is which is kind of unfair to Berman, but Leo has been struggling a little bit. He's playing good defense, but he hasn't been making those shots. It's like you get two if you're lucky, Bermanator. You get two shots a game if you're lucky. You got to make one of them because you're yes, not getting you many chances. That's right. Yeah. So. All right, and then last thing, we're going to take a twi- quick hop in the Obbymobile, the eleven-time national champion Obbymobile, and tour around.
2: Let's take a trip around the FTC. FTC. which
0: has gotten, which is getting bigger now. It's a bigger trip. It's a longer trip now. This trip used to be when I was a kid. John, you were a kid. This was a 10 ten-stop trip. Now it's going to be sixteen. Very different trip. All right, what we got going on? Um, I I still don't. Think about Texas and Oklahoma's SEC schools. Like
2: when I'm do, when I'm literally doing around the SEC notes for this podcast, I do not think about Texas.
0: No, anymore. I understand that. Yeah, uh, but we're going to have to start. Um, I know we are.
2: Uh, LSU, you know, still good for an offensive coordinator. They hired the defensive line coach away from Texas and the defensive coordinator and defensive line coach away from Missouri. Wow. Uh, so wow, that was big for them. Alabama, you know, the, we talked about the players being in the portal on Saturday. Georgia hired away the co-defensive coordinator of Alabama, Tavares Robinson. Alabama attempted to hire him back in the last day or two and failed. So Tavares Robinson, a player we're and coach we're very familiar with, went to Georgia as the co-DC. And and a bunch of Alabama players have left. Some have gone to Florida State. Some are in the portal now. And tonight, while we were recording this podcast – Alabama hired South Alabama head coach Kane Womack to
0: be the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Wow. They were pretty good, weren't they, South Alabama the yeah. last couple of years? Yeah,
2: they were, and he's an excellent defensive coach. It's This is the connection point. Kalen DeBoer was at, at Indiana. That's how he knew Penix. He was the offensive coordinator in Indiana before he got the Washington job. This guy was the defensive coordinator in Indiana. He got the South Alabama job. Deboer got the Washington job. He hired him. But this is where it is for small school coaches though.
0: Mm-hmm. This
2: guy was the defensive this guy was the head coach of South Alabama and he couldn't get, you know, an interview for a big head coaching job and now he's gonna go be the defensive coordinator at Alabama.
0: It's, I was going to say it's weird how it normally it's like you're the defensive you're an assistant coach at like Alabama and you get hired to be the head coach at a smaller school to work your way up. This is kind of backwards. It is, but I think the
2: it's in the same way that like remember Colorado hired the offensive coordinator away from a a Mac school last year. They hired the head coach of a Mac school to be their offensive coordinator. Yes. I think these guys at the smaller schools are seeing they're not getting the jobs. They're not getting the, you know, with uh, the big time coaching jobs or the opportunities in the big 10 or the sec Mm. or the, you know, the ACC or, you know, the big 12. And so they're looking around going, how else can I get in the door? Mm. I could get in the door by being a big time coordinator.
0: That's it. So, yeah, I mean I guess it's not it's not um as strange anymore as it seems. I'm just looking at the weather and realizing um it's eight degrees here right now. At seven o'clock tomorrow morning when I'm getting ready to leave for work, it's gonna be one degree. Sounds like a freeze warning. <laughs> I'm look yeah, yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> Tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming. It's already here. <laughs> And if I whine and cry about it, I'm just going to hear... I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. Yeah. I, I can't I can't believe we haven't canceled class, but no, well, we'll see. Um, um, I just wanted to say, like again, it's the
2: Troy coach went to Tulane, and now South Alabama coaches, Alabama students, coordinator. Those two programs have been kind of uh, mm-hmm. revitalized by those two guys and have been made much better, and now they're both having to... Hire new coaches and start over. So, yeah. Um, the last thing I want to say in around the SEC is I don't think the coaching carousel is over. Uh, you know, Washington just hired a coach away from Arizona. Arizona's looking for a coach. I think Harbaugh is going to leave Michigan for the NFL in the next few days, next week or so. Mm. And then Michigan will hire a coach, might hire their offensive coordinator. But the other name that's out there for them is Brian Kelly. Ooh. So, what if Brian Kelly leaves LSU and goes to Michigan? next week. Ooh, I then think it'd be a
0: better fit. Better fit,
2: right? A, right. And then L, then A, LSU will be looking for a coach. And B, all of LSU's roster will be in the transfer portal for thirty days. So uh I'm just saying, like that's a it's out there. i about to it's not a sure thing, but it's in the realm of possibility. Oh, for a muse of
0: fire. Haven't gotten to use that one in a long time, but it sums up really well what the, the, the what the idea here, that we're just like, we're just mulling over the possibilities, mulling over the thoughts. Oh, for a muse of fire. Ah, yes, it'd be interesting, going to be interesting. All right, all right. So, interesting stuff popping here on the show till the very end of night. Very good. This has been a long show. We had a lot to talk about. I knew it was going to run long tonight. That's fine. We had a lot to cover. So... Let's go ahead and get on out of here, John, and we will reconvene in a week to kind of see how this is shaking out. It should be really interesting and really fun. And just y'all just hope that I don't uh, – thoughts and prayers that I don't freeze to death trying to go to work that a, in a free And
2: everybody else across the country, stay warm, yeah. be careful, and keep yourself warm with thoughts of Alabama falling to
0: no disgrace without saving. I, my alarm tomorrow will be, Frosty! <laughs> And it's, hopefully their 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 uh, fortunes will be that way in Tuscaloosa for the years to come. All right, our time is up. We thank you for your War Eagle, John. War Eagle, man.
2: Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to
1: everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at AUWishbone and at Facebook.com slash AUWishbone. War Eagle.
0: The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.
2: Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone podcast.